Welcome to the College Student Success Podcast, a podcast where college students and faculty come together to talk about mental health, wellness, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. Together, we set and achieve goals for ourselves to get us where we want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 96 of the podcast. And welcome back, everybody. Here we are in week oh, seven of the semester, if you're following along at home keeping track, keeping score. I am uh, really happy to be back uh, here on this March 1st is when I'm recording this to release tomorrow. And it's some nice weather here. I hate the month of February, so whenever the calendar flips to March, I get really excited because I know baseball is just around the corner, spring, daylight savings, semester is now halfway is now half behind us and we can look forward to the end of semester stress and everything that comes along with it but also the great shit right the the relaxation um for some of you that might be graduating in the end of the semester that's gonna feel fucking awesome um it's just uh i'm looking forward to the summer a lot so i hope you are too But first, we have some more business to attend to, right? We have uh, about, I think, eight more episodes. Is that right? Um, Like I said, we're about halfway through, so we're about halfway through this this semester series of the podcast. And so just real quick, want to let people know that we will have uh, part three of the executive functioning series today. We'll talk all about memory. And then next week, we will have an interview, and I'm really excited to bring you that one. That is uh, kind of a long time in the in the making, and I'll explain more next week. And then I'll take a break for spring break, and then come back with the last, what is that, six episodes or so, uh, and uh, wrap this thing up. So let's get into it. So last week, we talked about attention. And spent a good deal amount of time talking about uh, ways to improve your ability to pay attention and focus because you're going to need that in order to maximize your memory. And this week, we're going to talk all about memory. But before we do, I need to touch on one more strategy from last week that I just totally spaced on. I don't know how I forgot this one because it's so important in in being able to pay attention. Uh, so I, I got on really a riff about uh, summarizing, I believe, and just forgot to talk about the other part, uh, which is self-talk. Talking to yourself. Yeah, you're like, wait, how is talking to myself going to help me pay attention? Well, let me explain. All right, so it helps a lot. We talked about those two different kinds of attention last week, right? Being able to pay attention in a conversation, and being able to pay attention when completing a task. And this is more for that that latter one, which I think is the type of attention that students in particular really need to, you know, would say that they would like to improve upon. So let's say that you have, you know, four things that you got to remember, right? And so the example I remember we used to do in the manual when I did executive functioning, uh, when I taught it cognitive remediation to college students, was pretend your roommate was really annoying and she's standing, or he's standing, he's standing in the kitchen 
and says something like, oh, this, this, this kitchen is just a disaster, you know, uh, there's, there's crumbs all over the floor, and the dishes, the sink is full of dishes, and the, the refrigerator has all this expired food in it, and the, the table needs to be wiped down, um, you know, can you please take care of this today? And you're like, oh, fine, whatever. Okay, so it's the floor, the dishes, the fridge, and the table, right? And so what what did he just do there, right? First off, he paraphrased back and summarized, and that was the first part. And he didn't say exactly what the roommate said, right? He, he kind of broke it down to the most critical things, right? All right, you need to take care of the floor because there were, like, crumbs on it, dishes because the sink is full, the fridge because there's food that needs to be tossed, and the table because it needs to be wiped out. You know, you don't need to say all that. You could just say the four things and probably be just as good. All right, so now let's say your roommate leaves and you're standing there and you start to take care of the, I don't know, the dishes, and you want to make sure you don't forget all the other stuff, right? You don't want to annoy your roommate. Ugh. So you could write it down, right? You could write a list of things you have to do to clean the kitchen. And that would actually be the best way to remember, right? Writing it down. We'll get into why in a, in a minute, actually. And, but you can't write down everything, right? And you, you're probably... If it was four things, I mean, I probably wouldn't write it down. But what I might do is use self-talk to say in my head as I'm doing things, all right, so I got to do the dishes, the floor, the table, and this, uh, the fridge, right? So when I get to the fridge, I know that there's that one thing in there that's so old that I got to get rid of. And then uh, I'm going to look in the door because I always forget to check the door and uh, don't just look at the expiration date on the milk. Actually open up and smell it. Like all these things are part of your your internal dialogue, right? And they help you kind of stay focused on the task. Because what could you be thinking about as you're doing the dishes, right? You could be thinking about that TV show you watched last night or uh, a date you're going on later on this evening, right? Which is all great stuff to be thinking about. But what will happen is you'll get to the end of the dishes and you'll be like, Shit, what were those other things I was supposed to do, right? Think about if you are in a room and you decide to go into another room for something. You, you're going to get something, right? And how often does this happen to you? You get into the other room and you're like, wait a second. What did I need in here again? What was it? Right? Because the reason this happens is you think about it. You're like, oh, I need to go get those scissors, right? And then as you're walking into the other room where the scissors are, you start thinking about something else like your date later on or what you watched on TV last night, right? And then you, by the time you get in there, you're like, oh, because it wasn't something that you were kind of carrying with you into the other room. So if you had used self-talk like, all right, so I got to remember when I get in here that the reason I'm going in here is to get the scissors. You're not going to write that down. Uh, use self-talk, right? Uh, another example would be like, Back in the day, right, there used to be, you know, times when you didn't have your cell phone or even GPS. So you wouldn't even believe it how we got around those days. But we would actually, like, if we got lost um, and we couldn't use the pay phone to call our friend, we would gasp, ask somebody, 
you know, actually like pull off to the side of the road and ask somebody, a stranger even, like, can you direct me to blah, 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 the interstate, right? Uh, it was amazing, let me tell you. Or you go into a gas station and ask, right? Um, gas station attendants must have nothing to do anymore because it's like nobody asks them for directions anymore because everyone's got GPS. Uh, so let's say we're living back in the Stone Age or you just forget your cell phone, right? And you're going to rely on the kindness of stranger here to tell you how to get back to the interstate. And the stranger is really kind. And they're like, oh, no problem. You just got to go to the end of this road, make a right, bear left at the fork, and it's a mile up on your left. And you're like, uh, sure. And then you drive away and you're like, I don't even remember the beginning of what he said, right? Or if you're like the good, uh, you know, person with excellent cognitive strategies, you might use self-talk, right? It, again, it's going to be best if you write this shit down. But if you don't, you might paraphrase it back first. So before he leaves, say, all right, let me just make sure I got this, right? You, you said go down here, you know, end row, make a left or make a right, you know, bear left here, and then it's a mile up on your left. And then the person then has a chance to correct you, right? Say, oh, no, you got to do it. You got it this way. Or they're going to say, yeah, you got it. Have a good day. And you're going to drive away, and you're going to use self-talk now. Hopefully you're by yourself. But if not, just let the person know this is important. you got to remember. So you're driving, and you're like, all right, so he said you got to go to the end of this road. And at the end of the road, he said, I think you got to make a left. And all right, here we are coming up to the road. And then making a left here, great. Now the next thing he said is I think we have to bear left. And he gave a landmark. What was it? And oh, yeah, it was that funny-looking mailbox. There it is. There it is. That's why I have to bear left, right? So using the self-talk just helps tremendously in a situation like that. So there's lots of school situations that you could apply a similar strategy to. And so we'll get into that now. So with memory, memory really comes down to one thing, uh, this concept of encoding, right? Um, When you are memorizing something, uh, the fancy way of saying that is you're encoding it, right? You think about uh, a coder, somebody that writes computer codes. They basically take something you know, uh, something in, in, you know, human language, and they translate it to computer language, right? Um, And once it's there, it's sort of codified, hopefully, you know, forever. Um, When we encode things in our minds, it's, it's not quite the same way. But so what we are trying to do there is though we're trying to store it for later. And that's where where the similarities, you know, kind of we do see some overlap there. Right, so if I am trying to memorize my wife's cell phone number, because we used to memorize lots of phone numbers, and now because we don't need to, we don't do it, right? But you know, there's a couple you should know, uh, and so you know, thinking about that, <coughs> if I wanted to memorize my wife's cell phone number. Uh, one way I could do it is if I could ask her, right? I could say, hey, what's your phone number again? And she would just say it to me verbally, right? Oh, it's, you know, 201, you know, 555, 1212. Okay, that's right. 
I forgot. Sorry, babe. Um, and so she'd walk away, and, you know, 24 hours later, what are the odds that I'm going to remember that if I hadn't heard it before? Probably very little, right? Um, if you just hear something in passing, uh, there's, you know, you remember, you recall less than 50%. I don't know what the exact statistic is. Okay, so now think about what would happen if you, uh, instead of just asking her to say it to you, <coughs> you asked her to write it down. So you're like, can you just write down your phone number before you leave? Okay, no problem. You know, two, she writes it down. And so maybe she says it out loud when she writes it down, or maybe later you get the little post-it note she wrote it down and you say it out loud because you're trying to memorize this thing, right? So you're like looking at it, looking at what she wrote down and saying it out loud at the same time. You know, okay, it's 201-555-1212. It's not my wife's cell phone number, by the way. Uh, so this is actually significantly better way to remember something. You're encoding it in a second way compared to the first. So the first time, all you did was hear it, right? You couldn't see it unless you pictured it in your mind. And that's a good strategy too. We'll get to that. The second time though, you may have been able to read it and see it, but also say it out loud and your brain hears it, right? So you're encoding it in two ways at least. You're saying it so your brain is hearing it, and then you're also looking at it at the same time. So you're sort of using visual and audio. And you're going to, at the very least, probably double your chances of recall. All right. Now, let's say you had the piece of paper and the pen. And as your wife was walking out the door, you said, hey, honey, can I just get your phone number again? I keep forgetting it. And she gives you a weird look because you should remember her phone number. And then she says, that's fine, honey. Here it is again. 201-555-1212. And you, in turn, write it down as she's saying it. And maybe you even say it out loud every three letters, right? I mean three numbers to make sure. So she'll say like 201. You'll be like 201-555-5555-1212. Yep, I got it. One, two, one, two. Okay. So now you've encoded it in yet another way, right? You're looking at it as you're writing it down. And you might be saying it out loud. So you're saying it, audio, looking at it, visual, and writing it. Okay. So the writing it really takes the memory to the next level, right? Um, okay. Now, there's a few things going on here in this little example that are really proactive ways to help with memory, right? So we talked about a couple of them. So encoding is like the number one way. You want to encode things in multiple, through multiple channels, right? Think about yourself just sitting there in a classroom. You don't have anything in front of you, no books, no pencil, no cell phones, no laptops, nothing. Just you and the instructor and whatever they have up there, you know, PowerPoint or whiteboard or whatever. And let's say you're definitely you're trying to pay attention, right? You're you're like you're into it. 
uh, and the teacher is lecturing and you're just sitting there, you know, taking it in. What are, how much of that are you going to remember later? Well, if you were interested in the material, that's definitely going to give you a leg up than compared to if you weren't. But either way, you're not going to recall nearly as much as if you were, like, let's say you, you were the only person in the lecture and you had the opportunity to stop the professor every once in a while and just be like, hey, let me just make sure I got that. <laughs> so, and then you went and paraphrased, oops, sorry, hit my mic there. Uh, then you went ahead and paraphrased what he just said, and you did that every couple minutes. Well, but you didn't write it down. You just did that, you know, audio. Uh, that would actually be better than just passively listening. But if you did that, but wrote it down at the same time, that would even be better. And now we're getting at like note taking strategies. How often have you sat in a lecture hall and not taken notes and remembered what was lectured about? If you really weren't into the material, chances are you remembered Jack Diddley squat, right? And that's why we take notes, and that's why it's so critically important because note-taking is really you're encoding, but you're encoding through like three different channels when you're doing it, all right? So the encoding is one and, and probably the most important concept we'll talk about today. Uh, we talked about self-talk, how it helps with attention, and then how it helps with learning as well. Um, chunking is another thing we did, right? So when my wife was saying the phone number to me and I was writing it down, she didn't just say all 10 letters, 10 numbers at the same time. There's a natural way we chunk a phone number, right? Especially here in America, it's different overseas. But we always say the area code first, 201, and then there's like a little pause. And then we'll say the exchange, 555, and then another little pause, and then the extension or whatever the last four digits are, and then the final pause. So it's three, pause, three, pause, four. What I what she doesn't do is say, ah, oh, sure, honey, it's 2-0-1-5-5-5-1-2-1-2. Why doesn't she do that? Because she happens to like me. <laughs> And nobody freaking says a phone number like that, <laughs> right? So there's a natural way, and we all know it. Like same with Social Security number here in America, right? It's three digits, then two digits, then a pause, then four digits. Uh, so those pauses are there for a purpose. They are there to kind of help us give it a moment, encode the material. And we recognize that it's a lot easier to encode three three-digit numbers, as an example, over one nine-digit number, okay? Categorizing plays a big role with this too, right? Thinking about memory uh, switch to like a food list, right? So let's say I have to go out to the store to pick up one thing, and I say, honey, I'm going out to the store, going to get some potatoes. And she goes, okay, and you're about to leave. She's like, wait. You know what? Also pick up some toothpaste and a toothbrush. I'm like, all right, so I need potatoes, toothpaste, and a toothbrush. Got it. And I said it out loud to kind of help myself with my memory, right? And I'm out. The, I'm just about out the door. I'm about to close the door. And she says, like, wait. I'm like, what? She's like, I need you to get one more thing. 
can you get a can you get some turkey breast too for for sandwiches? And you're like, oh, I need a pen now and a pen and a piece of paper. <laughs> it's like I've reached my limit of things that I can keep in my head. Now I need to write it down because we know writing it down is always the best way to encode something. One of the best ways. Um, but also there's three things and I can kind of carry around in my mind. This is called your working memory, like whatever you can, whatever the brain memory power you're using in that particular moment. But the thing about writing it down is that if it's a small enough list and you can categorize it, it's like, okay, potatoes, you know, are in the produce aisle. Turkey breast is going to be at the deli counter. And the toothpaste and the toothbrush are going to be together in the, you know, health and beauty aid section of the store. You may get to the store and you may not even need to look at that list. But the act of actually making the list and writing it down and categorizing things in your mind really does help. Think about how a lot of people make make store lists. You know, if you have any monochrome of organization, uh, you know, and you, you'll keep a piece of paper like on the on the refrigerator. And every time you think of something that you need or you run out of something, you write write it down on the list. And then at the end of a week or two weeks, you, you take that list down and it's like pretty full. And you're like, OK, I, I got enough stuff to go to the store now. Now, if you're my mom, you wouldn't just take that list to the store because it would drive her bananas having to go, you know, because the list isn't in any kind of order, right? It's not categorized. It would be like bananas and then peanut butter and then bread and then toothpaste. And then, you know, you're running all over the store. What she would do is rewrite the list and categorize everything. So all the fruits and vegetables, you know, all the health and beauty aid stuff, etc., and go around the list. So you still need the list when it's a long enough list. But short, you may not need it after doing that little quick rewrite, right? So, okay, so we did. We talked about a lot of different encoding strategies just there. These things um, are fairly relevant too when um, you're trying to do things like um, name recall, like remembering people's names. That's a really common thing that people struggle with, myself included. I'm like halfway through the semester now, and I think I just about got everybody, all my students' names. That's terrible. (laughs) Like I don't want to be seven weeks in and still like be unsure of some of my students' names. How how does that make them feel? They've been coming to my class for seven weeks. So there's a couple of strategies I use. So one is I use – I'll make a seating chart the first week. So I'll like kind of spatially, just with a blank piece of paper, make – you know, kind of plot where people are sitting that first week. And I'll jot down little notes about them, right? So just whatever stands out, you know, oh, um, you know, long blonde hair or, um, you know, bright yellow notebook um, or, you know, glasses on her head. I don't know. Just whatever stands out, you know, just a quick little thing. So that little, like, thing is something I'll associate with that person. And, you know, your associations, the, the funnier they are or the weirder or sort of out there, the, the, the more they stand out, um, the better. You know, if you're just like 
blah, 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 you know, white girl. <laughs> um, you know, it's just not going to stand out like if you had, you know, pointed out her, you know, Georgia Bulldog sweatshirt. You know, it's like, oh, you know, and you think of like, oh, the picture of the bulldog in the front and it looks like it's about to eat her head. <laughs> now it's getting a little weird, but it's like, yeah, you want it like that because when you see her next week, maybe she's not wearing the Georgia Bulldogs, but you see her and you're like, oh, there's something about her. Oh, yeah, there's something about her dog eating her head. And you're like, oh, Georgia Bulldogs. That's right. Her name is Georgia. <laughs> you know, wouldn't that be something? Uh, that would be a great way to associate. Um, certainly there's there's kind of the ones you probably heard before with when it comes to name learning and memory. You know, you meet somebody, you say their name uh, back to them. So it's like, hey, I'm Jim. You're like, oh, nice to meet you, Jim. And you may do this right away, or you might wait until the end of the conversation when you're leaving. And you say, oh, it was really nice to have met you, Jim. And you're supposed to be able to remember the person's name better when you say it. And that's true, right? Why is that true? We just talked about it in coding. When you said the person's name, you you give your chance, give your brain a chance uh, to encode it yet again. So those are some strategies. Let me think about some other ones for name learning. So we said association. Um, another way to associate is, um, you know, like I said, you can you, you know, come up with something, you know, funny or just random about them to kind of note. Uh, or you might associate them with somebody else, right? It's like, oh, you're Jim. Yeah, that's funny because I have a, a brother named Jim. <laughs> So I'm going to be more likely to remember Jim because just because I associate Jim with my brother's name, right? Uh, or maybe his name's Donald, and I don't actually have any way to associate that name, but he looks like my brother. <laughs> so I'm going to associate his appearance with somebody else. It's like, oh, they look just like my brother, you know? So I'm going to use that to remember his name in some way. You know, um, you can use these really simple, right? It's like you meet a guy, Tim, he's super tall, tall Tim, done, right? Um, what else might you do, right? Um, so, there, you know, you might use some combination of audio, uh, you know, speaking, uh, saying something out loud or having said something said to you and visual encoding strategies when you're trying to do any of this stuff. Remember people's names. Remember a list of items. Remember content that you're trying to take notes on. It's all the same principles of encoding. Okay, think about flashcards as a strategy, right? Um, and think about these encoding principles. Stra flashcards are a fucking awesome study tool. If you haven't used them since fourth grade, I understand. You know, it's like we get away from it. We think, ah, oh, that's for babies or whatever. I got a nice big boy memory now. Well, you know, congratulations on your big boy memory. It still can't remember everything. Flashcards are fucking awesome for that, right? Um, certain material is better than others. Uh, I'm teaching people the goals, values, and principles of psych rehab now in my introduction classes. This would be awesome for that, right? Take a flashcard, little index card, three by five action there. Put on one side the, the, the goal, recovery. And on the back, the definition, uh, da, 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 identity, so value, social role, blah, blah, blah. 
And so you make up one for each of your goals, values, principles. And now you got this nice fat stack of index cards, flashcards. And now you have a portable system for studying. You know, you're on the bus, flip through them real quick. Great. You're waiting before your exam, flip through them again. Great. You're blah, blah, blah later on. Great. Um, the repetition is how you're going to remember something. Uh, and doing it, you know, five times a day for, you know, a few minutes each is better than sitting there for 20 minutes straight with the flashcards, doing them over and over and over one time after the other. So break up your studying as, you know, that's a theme uh, and kind of, you know, think about with flashcards, you know, run through them, you know, with more frequency, but shorter periods of time in each time you do it. Um, and you might start, the other thing that's great about flashcards is, first off, you're really doing a lot of the encoding and memorizing when you make the flashcards. So think about it, you're writing down, oh, okay, I got my goal here, recovery. Let me see what recovery is now because I want to get this flashcard right. <laughs> the only th worst thing than not making flashcards is making flashcards with the wrong material on them, right? Uh, so you get the definition right. <clears throat> well, what have you just done? You just copied the definition, you know, maybe from the book or from your notes. That's great. Sitting there and just rewriting your notes might be boring as fuck, but you will remember that stuff, especially if you're actually paying attention as you're writing it and not like, you know, watching the view. So flashcards, great for the actual making of them. So don't like pay a friend to make your flashcards for you and then feel all proud because you got some flashcards. The biggest benefit of flashcards is the actual making of them. So keep the focus on that. But then you have them to use as a review study tool. You can use them two different ways, right? You could start with the definitions. Oh, okay, valued social role, identity. Oh, what is that? I think it's recovery. Test yourself. Look, oh, yeah, I was right. Kick ass. And then you go through it that way, and then you flip it around, do the other way, right? It's like now you're only looking at the term. It's a little more challenging. Okay, recovery. What's that again? I think it has something to do with valued social roles, assuming a new identity. And you look at it, you're like, yeah, that's mostly good, right? Okay, so flashcards are awesome. Visualization. Visualization is kind of yet another encoding mechanism, right? So let's say you have to memorize the 50 states. You have a geography class and your exam is teacher's going to put down a map of the 50 states, you know, with them all outlined, but the, the names of the states are blank and you have to fill in the 50 states. How many of you could do that perfectly? <coughs> I could. And one of the reasons why is I had this map. Uh, it was a puzzle. Ooh, sorry about that. It was a puzzle map. Uh, and I did that puzzle hundreds of times as a child. And, you know, talk about memorization, you know, and encoding. The, the stuff you encode as a child is just your brain is just soaking up the knowledge and really encodes it well. Uh, and stuff that's encoded well is very prone to resist forgetting all right so let's say you had to do that you know you have this exam coming up you have to like identify the 50 states and you're struggling with you know uh 
the difference between Tennessee and Kentucky, right? It's like, well, they're right next to each other, and they kind of look similar, right? They're like kind of long and skinny states. Um, But Kentucky has this like big hump on the top, you know, like it's like pregnant. (laughs) Whereas Tennessee is kind of skinnier and doesn't have that little baby bump, right? So Kentucky's where the baby bumps are, and Tennessee is where, you know, the, the, the skinny state. To say nothing of the people that live there, so please don't send me the angry emails. Who are you saying? I'm from fat. I'm Kentucky. I'm from fat. Um, no, that's not what I mean. It's a, you're just trying to use visualization because when you do that and make that association, when you come back later and you've got that blank exam sitting in front of you and you see those two outlines of states and you're like oh i know one of these is kentucky and one's tennessee but i can't remember which is which and you're like oh wait kentucky was the one that was expecting or had a baby bump or whatever and you're like yeah that's right and tennessee was all skinny so you know that's using visualization um Talk about note-taking strategies for a little bit, and then we will start to wrap up. Uh, also have a few instructor strategies, too, before we go. Um, but this one goes with – this one's like sort of my bridge from uh, student strategies to instructors. Let's talk about PowerPoint a little bit and uh, its role in note-taking. So I I think back to taking notes in high school and college undergrad – and I just can't remember having PowerPoints at my at, at my disposal and like the expectation being like, you will get a PowerPoint every time we lecture. And so it's still a little like annoying to me that students have this expectation. I actually, when I first became an instructor full time, I tried to fight it. <laughs> I tried to just not give out PowerPoints. And you know what happened? Students hated it. And I got bad reviews for it, <laughs> bad evaluations. And that shit matters. So it's like, you know, you're paying. You're paying citizen or uh, customer, in a sense, uh, when you go to college. Um, so in that sense, I do feel like I owe it to listen to students, even though I don't feel like it's my job to make it easy for them. Um, but there is a certain expectation these days as instructors that we provide PowerPoints based, you know, with our lecture notes. And I, I think that's annoying because I, it's fine to me if they have them. It's not like it's my intellectual property, that kind of argument. It's that when I hand out my notes, I think the student in the back of their mind thinks, even if it's subconsciously, like, I don't have to put as much effort in taking notes because I have everything he's going to say right here. And that's bullshit. Not only is not that not all I have to say, but if you just sit there with the PowerPoint and don't do anything with it and just listen to me, that's like, you know, that sitting there, my wife just run, spitting her phone number out at me and me not writing it down or taking notes or trying to associate it with anything or, and you know, kind of do any cognitive strategies to memorize it and expecting that I'm going to remember it. Good luck. Right. So I would say don't bring PowerPoints, you know, don't use them, don't take notes on them, take notes on regular paper and rewrite what the PowerPoint, you know, slide says. If it's if it's, you know, uh, let a little enough amount of content, 
Speaking of which, teachers, let's talk about your PowerPoint slides for a moment, shall we? Um, don't fill up your PowerPoint slides with everything that you're going to lecture on. That's stupid. <laughs> That's not a lecture. That, that tells the student, I don't even need to show up. Make it so that they're just bullet points, true bullet points. The less, the better. And what that does is the student says, oh, I'm never going to be able to look at this and be able to you know, use this as a study aid as is. I'm going to have to fill some shit in, actually write some stuff down. Oh, my God. Making me work. Huh. Um, we're helping. <laughs> we're helping you learn by doing this. So use PowerPoint effectively. Don't just write everything out on a slide in full sentences and, um, you know, long-winded bullet points because that's what the lecture's for. Make them write that in. Save yourself a little bit of time. Plus, when a slide is just filled with content, it's just like it's – not very attractive to look at anyway. Um, other things for the faculty and instructors out there to consider. Um, be organized with your lectures. Don't jump all over the place. Students hate that shit. Um, you know, in the same way that you don't want a disorganized paper, what would you encourage your students to do? Oh, create an outline, right? So I expect that instructors would do the same when they approach creating a lecture, right? Um, so having an organization to your lecture, uh, you may even want to practice before you get up there in front of your students. They will thank you for it. Um, then I have this one called Mind the Gap. So this is this idea that when you are lecturing and a person is taking notes on what you're saying, there's always going to be this gap, right? Because you're always talking a little bit faster than they are note-taking. And so that space between where we're saying now, like let's say you were taking notes on this podcast, right? Um, you're going to be a little further behind than what I'm saying in this exact moment. Because, well, number one, there's limits to what, how fast you can write or type. And number two, you're giving your, you need to give your, your, your brain a minute to think about what's being said and put it in your own words. And sometimes that requires to you hear the entire thought. So that gap is really critical because it needs to stay manageable, right? If you're always just a little bit behind the professor and you're taking your notes and summarizing effectively and you never get too far behind, that's going to be very effective. You're going to get great notes out of that. But let's say you're a little slower, right? And you're far, far back still kind of trying to figure out how to summarize that last point. He said, now you've already, the instructor's moved on, you know, two points from now. What does the student do? I know what they do. They just sort of abandon ship. They're like, well, I'm not going to be able to take notes on that point. And they might just try and, you know, start in the present point. It's like, okay, let me just go to where we're at now and take some notes from here. But that's probably going to keep happening. So tape recording your lecture is the best option for this situation because then you get the playback, the user control to play it back as many times as you need, as slow or as fast as you need. Uh, so that would be the, the, the instructor strategy would be to mine that gap. Be aware and pause every once in a while. You know, uh, restate important points several times. Your students will thank you for it.
So mind that gap. You know, if you see your students are scribbling furiously, you know, take a breather, take a sip of water. I'm going to take a sip of coffee right this minute. And uh, kind of be mindful of the fact that as you lecture, there are people out there sort of, in a sense, hanging on your every word. And, you know, give them the opportunity to kind of stay caught up and understand that, like, it actually would be easier, in a sense, to be a scribe and just write what you're saying verbatim, that it's a real skill to be able to take notes effectively because of the summarization aspect. Um, think about it. You're using so many cognitive functions when you take notes. Uh, we started with planning, right? So there's a lot of planning involved in sort of like how you structure your notes. You know, do you do bullet points? Do you do more of an, a paragraph narrative style? So there's that kind of planning and sort of planning out, you know, do I have everything I need to take notes? All that stuff that goes into it. You have to be paying attention in order to be able to take notes effectively. So that's what we talked about last week. And then you actually need the skill of note-taking. And then you need the ability to keep your mind focused, avoid the multitasking uh, tendencies that you might be tempted to do. And you have to make judgments. There's a lot of judgments. It's like, is this important? My professor is talking about his his son and their vacation last summer. Should I be taking notes on this? No. Oh, no, now he's transitioned. And that's another uh, tip for instructors. Announce your transitions. Be like, all right, we're going to talk about this now. <laughs> uh, really helpful for students in terms of being able to label your notes. Um, so, okay. Oh, and yeah, so you're making little judgments all along the way about what's important, what's not important, what should go in your notes, what not, and then exactly how to state it. So uh, note-taking is a really, really hard skill to master. Uh, I think that I, I got good at it with a lot of practice, you know, not a really big surprise there, um, but I was doing it at a young age. Um, I remember we had in, I was in, um, what do they call it, confirmation class. I was raised Lutheran. And so it's a you know form of uh, Protestant Christianity, and so we had it was seventh and eighth grade, two years of confirmation class in order to get confirmed. You know, kind of be, you know, it's like the the uh, equivalent of the the bar mitzvah, or, you know, being um, confirmed in the Catholic Church too. I think around the same time, uh, so. We for two years, you know, had to take these classes every. It was like one night a week. And it was with the pastor of the church. And the second year, we had to do sermon summaries. And in Lutheran church, you know, it was part of the, uh, the church service. There's usually like a 15 to 20-minute sermon where the, the, the preacher or the, the pastor talks about, a, you know, a theme. And, you know, and we had to take notes. And this was hard. I mean, the, the, the pastor that I had was not a very good lecturer. You know, he was very... He was all kind of all over the place, and he was very um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Abstract. 
right? So I was never really sure what he was talking about, and his his, his analogies were just so, so out there. And so you know, I did the best I could. And I must have done okay because he always loved them. He thought I did great. So I always thought back to myself, it's like that really prepared me well for high school because if I could take notes in that shit um, – I could take notes in anything. Uh, so I think that just like practicing, and that's, again, something I would do with students in the research study because I would say the two most important things we taught them were how to calendar effectively and how to take notes effectively. And taking notes sometimes took time uh, to master. So, all right, that is all I have for today. And uh, here we are again, really 40 to 45 minutes happens every every week. Guess I don't know how to state things any more concisely than that, but that's okay. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this week. Uh, come back at you next week with an awesome interview with a good friend of mine uh, talking about uh, your rights as a college student and as somebody with a disability, what types of um, sticky situations can come up and how to um, you know, be empowered to be proactive, stand up for yourself, um, use the laws that we have in this country. Uh, next week will be a very U.S.-centric type of episode because we will be focusing on things like the ADA and Title IX and stuff. Um, we're not going to explain everything about what they are. That would be a really boring podcast, but we're going to kind of give you examples of scenarios. Like, let's say this happens to this student. You know, what do you think? You know, are they, you know, sh- are they going to be kicked out or, you know, do they have um, an argument to um, to make a grievance, that kind of stuff. So I think you'll be really into it, even if they don't apply to you. I think it's just really helpful knowledge to know about your rights, uh, about the, the responsibilities that the school has in terms of accommodating you and your disability. So it's probably going to be in my term, my mind, looking back. Um, one of the more important episodes, I think, re-record because it's really hard to get that information. Uh, so really hope you come back next week. Looking forward to it. As always, have a great week. Kill it with your goals this week. And I will talk to you guys next week. Peace.